You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you in association with Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Waiting in the middle, and Jancic put a decent ball in. It's a deep one. Up goes McKenna, hit it back across, gone to the net. Kevin McKenna with the equaliser for Hearts. It's one all, and scenes of absolute joy in the away end. Hello, and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. And for one last time this season, I am Laurie Dunsire, joined by Mark Donaldson. Is that a continuation of your explanation of last week's homework, or is that an introduction to a new show? The latter. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you persevered. Good on you for persevering with it, but... Oh, I'm, stubborn. Wow. I'm stubborn. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've spoken some pish on this podcast. That's that's top one. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. If we, if, if we, maybe that's an ex homework. The, the the most pish that's been spoken on this podcast. We'll need a couple of episodes just to get through that. Oh dear. Let's... Hello. Yes. Hello. Hi. 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 Um. Still no manager at the time of recording. Mm. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued by this. There's no real, I mean, I don't have any insight into to what's going on behind the scenes. But the fact that there's still no manager suggests that Stephen Naismith might end up getting the job. It might be like Ange Postacoglu at Spurs, not the first option. Um, but he's still not been appointed. You could easily have appointed him straight after the season had ended if they wanted to. So, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see with this one. But if they wanted Naismith, they could have gone and got Naismith. And I know he's not going with Scotland to Spain, um, so the, the, he, he may be appointed by the time. The rumour mill kicks this. into action. Yeah. Does it not? Yeah. I mean, Cifuentes, and I, I mean, I've spoken about Nick Montgomery before, um, Central Coast Mariners, Jason Cummings' hat-trick to win the the the, the A-League uh, Grand Final Cup. Um, yeah, so there's there's plenty of options out there, but I, I still don't know with regards to this, but time will tell. Well, we'll check with someone who maybe has another opinion on it. We'll, we'll find out. We are delighted to be joined for this final episode of the season by a man who you can, you can hear on the Terrace podcast, you can see on the Terrace TV show, and you can read him in The Scotsman. It's Joel Sked. Hello, how's it going, guys? Hello. Well... Well, I think. How, how how are you, Joel? How are you feeling now? We've we've kind of come to the end of the season. Are you are you are you feeling optimistic for what lies ahead from a, a Hearts perspective? Uh, I'm 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 glad the season has has finished. Um, 
I those it was, it was doing some calculations and I was up at Dingwall on Sunday and I believe I think it was my seventy eighth game of the season and oh I was just like and I think it was thirty eight maybe thirty nine of the of those are Hearts games I was just like just too 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 much football too much football probably about thirty games too much um, and it was just it's not too much in some seasons but it's no, been no. a season where this this season was probably one where yeah yeah it could get, get tiresome well, at least you ended on a high that was a that was an unbelievable ending to the season that would have been the mark if I hadn't written uh, almost nine hundred oh, words on no, Partick Thistle we, and oh, their no. their promotion to the Premiership and why <laughs> rip it up rip it up and start again yeah yeah so that was uh, that, that was that was a stressful oh, stressful um, end to the season but no I think from Hart's perspective it was. It was a season that promised so much. It was a season that delivered some. Uh, you look at the European trips uh, during and then... Uh, you back, with your back. top off. Yeah, <laughs> less said that about the... Uh, less said about that, the better. And then you look at the two kind of back-to-back Edinburgh Derby 3-0 wins and then the one in the Scottish Cup, Toby Sibbick's goal, Stephen Humphrey's goal. At that point, beating Dundee United, you're thinking this is a brilliant season, and then the way it's petered out is just it's. If there was, if I heard Craig Gordon being interviewed in the BBC, and he was asked about, was like the disappointment of the season. He was like, he said that disappointment was probably too strong a word to use, and I think the best way to describe this season is is one of frustration. Yeah. And I think the other, the, yeah, that's fair. The other thing is as well, you pers- persevered with your with your homework from last week. The winner, and and th- this th- this is beyond doubt. This sums everything that Joel's just said and what we've said as well. The winner comes from Charles Dickens. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a little bit dramatic for the opening five minutes. So we'll maybe get to the the drama <laughs> later on, but, but you we can't will... argue with that though. That sums up what Jules just said, wasn't it? There it, it, it does. It does in a, in a very high brew way. Yes. Yeah. Um, so now yeah. it's downhill from here. Yeah. Yeah, but that's normal how it goes, isn't it? <laughs> no reach. <those laughs> both on the pod, both on the podcast and supporting Hearts in general. Yes, indeed. Um, well, I, I mean, in terms of the manager, I mean, mate, I've 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 got had a taste of the, the Tynecastle dugout now. I was, I was throwing my hat in the ring on on Friday, but. Joe Savage wasn't I, having it. I, I love the fact that when, and he's not, your son's not called Callum, he's Hart's baby Callum, according to my daughter. How's Hart's baby Callum getting on? I said, he's fine. I said, he went to Tyne Castle for the first time. Yep. Oh, good. I've not been there yet. Well, so hopefully you'll we'll get around to that, Ava Grace. Um, imagine when, when he's old enough and he's chatting with his pals, yeah, when was the first time you were at Tyne Castle? Oh, yeah, my dad was managing. <laughs> Just, <laughs> that's pretty cool, right? Um, yes. I'm a right. I'm a right in saying, Laurie, that uh, the clip I saw. I think it was off. You, you were managing the away team, weren't you? Yes. The you scored a goal, and I looked down, and it seemed like you had uh, you wrote something down. Did you? Did you really have a notepad? I did on the, but, on, on, on the sidelines. Do you, so, you took it that seriously? So, what I should probably give context because some people listening like, "What are you guys talking about?" So, there was a big Hearts charity game on Friday. So, there's a lot going on at Tank Castle last week, and on Friday there's a sponsors one beforehand so that uh joe savage scored a, a, a fantastic 
couple of goals apparently and he was telling us all about it um but there was a charity game that fans could pay um to play on the ten castle turf so two sets of teams and all the money went to charity so good cause as usual big hearts doing some great work um craig wilson general manager asked me he's like anyone to come along and and help manage the team so i had no idea how exactly what this would entail but in the end it was only myself and gary mckay who who apparently were, were roped into it so we had two sets of players now i met these players with about 10 minutes to go before we were meant to play um i got handed a sheet with a list of names on it and all i had was a goalkeeper a captain um nine others who would start and a, and some subs so <laughs> i was to manage these manage these players and i obviously my first question is right who can play who can play in defense no one i'm like well guys <laughs> i'm gonna have to give some semblance of a formation here so eventually a couple of people uh, offered to play in defense and i look at the sheet and it's like, okay what's your names nope sorry guys you've both paid to be subs so i can't start you in defense so uh with minutes to go uh, we managed to throw together yes a three four three and this was only because i could only eventually persuade three people to play at the back so I couldn't I couldn't muster a, a back four. So my my notes, Joel, were basically uh the list of the people who I was having to shout at and I was trying to keep tabs on the scoreline because it ended up being a 13-9 defeat for my team. So um, I, I did uh, to be fair, when, when I saw it, I just wondered if you were writing down goal. Basically we're writing down one nil, one one, two nil, three one, three one, whatever it was. But, um, well, how, quite... how did you how did you concede thirteen goals when you had the Scotland captain as your left wing back, Andrew Robertson? I had him on the right. Maybe that was the problem. <laughs> but, um, That's he. So I, I did say Joe, uh, to Joe Savage afterwards, I was like, "Surely I remember the shout now." And he, he said, "My team conceded, conceded too many goals." But I mean, it, scored nine for the last ten minutes. We literally threw everyone on. So we literally threw on sixteen aside, and the other team managed to break through clean through on goal and it's like how have i got 16 players and no one's in defense still L- laurie look at it look at it this way we once conceded five goals at livingston and the manager didn't get sacked so it's, it's fine <laughs> that's true. That's how, true how were you defending at set plays um trying to remember who everyone was to pick up well this is the other thing no one had numbers on and craig wilson told me it's fine they've got names on the back of their shirts see you're <laughs> in that dugout see trying to see some the name on someone's shirt from 80 yards away and do you know also this is like I have um I have stood at the dugout, sat in the dugout Tyne Castle before, but I've never been in it for a game and I I realise it was just a charity game. But do you know what I find is really difficult is to actually get a proper Yeah, the angle angle yeah. on exactly where everyone is or yeah. like the distance between people. It's really hard. Any dugout in the world. Any yeah, that's, that's I mean, why some, yeah, some managers want to sit up and look down rather than I mean how, how do you, with the right wing bag or the right winger or, or whatever, it's not a good view. No, it's terrible. I mean, it's stupid because I've been on loads of touchlines in the in, in the past, like playing youth football and, and amateur football, but it just, it struck me a lot more being at Tynecastle thinking, and at one point they shouted at me, we've gone to a back four, Laurie. I'm like, all right, okay, no bother. Yep, crack on. And then about two minutes later, I was looking, I was like, that just looks like there's three of them still. I'm sure that looks like there's only three of them. But yeah, so um, I could understand why managers would want to have at least someone in the stand, if not themselves, because it's really tricky, especially when things are happening in the far corners, to see exactly the distance between players and positions and stuff. So um, 
But anyway, did you did your dress sense? Um, was it uh, influenced by? your occupation for 90 minutes. Very smart, uh, but the brown brogues, I mean, are you, are you auditioning for a move through to Govan? <laughs> both both Gary McKay and myself did look rather staunch, didn't we? Standing side <laughs> very by side. Very staunch, yes. Um, I, I, I just, I, I'm very partial to, to that attire, I'm afraid. It is not, it's nothing more oh, sinister to it. But, oh, um, very smart, very nice. Um, but I, and I came straight from work, so it wasn't like I got dressed up for the occasion. It wasn't like one of these football manager types who gets suited up and has the flower in the in the in the top pocket and everything, the handkerchief in the top pocket. Anyway, um, it yes. was good fun and well done to Big Hearts for that. And and to be fair, fair play to a lot of the the folk out there because although there was a lot of goals conceded by both sides, it was a tough shift. It was roasting, and you know a full pitch played ninety minutes. A lot of people who hadn't played football for many years or possibly had never played football on a full-size pitch. Um, I, I thought they served up a decent show in the end, I think. Good. And money was raised for charity. Money so was raised for charity, so that's the main thing. But thankfully, um, I will not be um, in the running for the Hearts job. But what do you think, Joel, before we crack on with the rest of the podcast? Hearts managers post, you got a feeling on it? Because at the moment, it's still up in the air. We don't want to commit too much because... We're recording this on Monday night. By the time people are listening to this, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever, something could happen. But um, obviously, Marty Sifuentes, uh, there's still a lot of talk about him, but he's contracted with Hammerby until December 2024. Just three wins from the first 12 games of the season. Uh, Stephen Naismith, still many people's favourites. Do you do you have a, a feeling about how this is going to go or, or your own preference? I don't have a, I don't have a feeling how it's going to go. Preference again, I don't, I don't really have a preference either. Um, pretty indifferent to, um, maybe indifferent's not the the right word to uh, to Naismith. One of my uh, pals in the group chat uh, put in a poll like, how how happy would you be uh, with with Naismith's appointment? Uh, he put five. a poll in the group chat. Yeah, yeah, because he, he just wanted to see what everyone's <laughs> thoughts were. Um, how many's in the group chat? I don't know, a, a dozen maybe. Uh, oh, in a group chat, oh. and I um so out of, out of uh, one to five, I went for three, kind of straight in the middle. I've I think there's been positive signs. There's been positive signs under Naismith, uh, getting um, getting form out of Nathaniel Atkinson. One of the one of the main ones. I think we're playing yep. a bit more exciting football, but then there's still still issues as you can expect. There would be coming to the situation he uh, he, he came into still didn't. Um, Kind of went away. It's always going to be a concern um, as as Arch manager, but it was very, it's a very uh, small period, um, very small sample size. My yeah. fear is that we don't appoint Naismith. He has had the taste of management, goes elsewhere, and it turns out he's a bloody brilliant manager, and we've uh, we've missed the boat on him. Uh, then on the flip side, Sifuentes, it is um, that's probably a more exciting appointment just because there's that element of the unknown, and when it comes to a manager, uh, unknown, uh, a nice sounding name, um, certainly excites. <laughs> Catalan plays yeah, sexy my, football. My my issue is that I kind of just have uh, I've I've not read too much about him, but from what I have read, he's quite quite into possession based football. A lot of people. Compared him to a certain recent Hearts manager, I think. Yeah, I just, I just don't think, I just don't think the Hearts support as a whole. I'm not going to speak for everyone, but personally, 
I don't really want us to see us dominate uh, dominate the ball for and just just have it for like sixty percent of uh, the. Uh, I want us to play quick, aggressive football, even if we don't have as, as much of the ball. Direct football. Uh, so my my fear is how how he would be able to adapt to Scott Schubel because as yeah. we have seen through the years, someone who wants to play the style of football that I think he might want to play, it is very difficult for any team to do that out with. Celtic and Rangers. You've got to have the players, haven't you, Joe? Yes, exactly. You have to have the players. But what I would say is that Barry um, Barry Anderson obviously had something out uh, today in the evening news or Monday in the evening news, and he had spoken to the Hammerby Chiefs, and it's like there'd be conversation there, and seen a lot of chat on social media regarding that. What I would say is that with James Anderson, if James Anderson really wanted them, or if Hearts really wanted them, and that was the number one target, I don't think there'd be any issue with the compensation package uh, because as James Anderson has shown in the past is that uh, he's got the he's got the means to help us out can we have them both for you. yeah that would be I think that would be uh um yeah I, th- I think I think that would be uh, a nice balance but who knows what? It's there's a slight disappointment in the fact that there's there's no real real exciting standout can, candidate that'll probably unite the hearts support. And I mean, that's uh, even in the best of times, that's very difficult to do uh, is unite the the heart support in agreement over um, over the appointment of of a manager. So yeah, we'll we'll see. It's um it's a interesting time, an intriguing time, maybe maybe an exciting time. I hope they hurry up. Whatever they're going but, to do. Well, by the time they end this episode, because it's our last one of the season, <laughs> we won't have a chance to talk about it. No, that just yeah. There's there's stuff to be done. There's 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 a lot of stuff that's been organised already. But there's players to be brought in. There's replacements to be had, and who knows? Who knows who it'll be? But Joel's right. There's there's not a standout here, and there's then, a gamble with everyone we choose. Is there? Is there potential here? So this is I've this is nothing. I've got no um, inside info on this at all. But is there potential that there are other candidates we just don't know about? And yeah, this, of course there is. The Cifuentes one is obviously out there because he's employed somewhere. So you know, and because he's been interviewed now, etc. This may be more public, but you know, I kind of thought we needed to really get a move on with this. But the, the more I think about it, the fact you know we're not going to be playing until August. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the team are what going to be back from back into training toward like the end of June. Um, yeah, there's free agents out there, Laurie. I don't I, know. I, I mean, I know. I know. I, Robbie I, wanted, look, um, I'm not saying I want to take Aberdeen, but I'm not yeah, saying I wanted to take three weeks, but I, I'm maybe not as as concerned about the speed as I, I thought. I thought I was. I mean, it's, at least, it's an important. It's an important appointment. Oh, it's a huge appointment, um, and I think. I would hope there are other can—I mean, there will be other candidates. But I hope there's other realistic candidates that maybe, um, you know, we're exploring how much they'd be interested. And in obviously, if they aren't at a club, it's maybe easier to have a um, under the radar sort of conversation with them. Um, so yeah, but I, I get—I I agree with Joel that it's not. If Naismith gets it, I'm—it's not going to be—I'm not going to be disappointed with that. But it's not like I'm desperate for him to get it. And I—you're you're spot on with. It's that unknown still. It's a small sample size. You just don't... You know, Naismith could end up being one of the best Scottish managers ever. At this point, you don't know because teams often get a reaction when someone else comes in anyway. Um, 
So, and Cifuentes, I like the idea of it a bit, but the more I think about it, the more I read, I'm like, it's going to cost us a bit of money. He's going to want his whole back, uh, backroom team in. He's not started this season very well. He Will likes, his style he, translate to Scottish football? Um, he likes his goalkeeper to be able to play out from the back. So we need a new goalkeeper. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot, a lot of question marks over them all, but uh, we'll see. We'll see it's, what happens. I, I do think there's uh, the good thing is I think there's been a lot more, uh, a lot more of a process going into this one yeah. than, um, than maybe previous times when if you go look back maybe uh, only a few years ago where um, there were uh, following Ian Caffo's departure there was the, some of the some <laughs> so of the at least names we're not putting Joe about. Savage in charge because we couldn't find yeah. anyone <laughs> by the way when, when Alec Ferguson got sacked at St Mirren in 1978 he took it to an industrial tribunal and they ruled that, quote, Ferguson neither had any experience, nor talent, nor any managerial ability at all. But people <laughs> make mistakes. Yeah. And at that point, it, you wouldn't necessarily exactly. known how, how exactly. life would have unfolded. And well, no, he was, it he was very close to getting sacked by Man United as well. Of course he was. He was a Mark Robbins goal in an FA Cup tie, I think, at Norwich, away from, from being binned and... and he was supposedly pretty close to coming to Hearts as well. Jerry McNee, on behalf of Wallace Mercer, tried to get him to Tynecastle. So, look, it'll happen. Whoever it is, there's a lot of fans that have already renewed their season ticket. And they'll get behind, along with all the other fans that turn up at Tynecastle for the first game of next season, they'll get behind whoever the new boss is. But I think the longer this plays out, then the more chance it might not be Stephen Naismith. And if it is then it might be that one or two who were preferred, they couldn't make it work. We don't know. We might never know the full story, but we'll just have to be patient. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Now, before the season started, Joel joined me on the podcast and we did a um, Our Survey Says episode where I um, got uh, a little survey out there to Hearts fans on how they would predict the season would go. Now, what we did for this was we predict, got everyone to predict where Hearts would finish in the league, uh, how they'd do in the League Cup, the Scottish Cup in Europe, who the top scorer would be, who the player of the year would be, who the best signing would be, and who the most improved player would be. So we got the wider opinions uh, via a poll, and Joel and I gave our opinions on all those areas as well. So I thought it'd be good now to revisit how that all panned out for us and um, see how badly we predicted the season would go. And um, Mark obviously was exempt from um, from highlighting any failures in his predictions because he was off that one, but we can see what he thinks of it as well. Now, Hearts will finish fourth. <laughs> well, let's start with that. We'll start with the league finish. This okay. is pre-season. So, um, probably no surprise that the um, the survey of the Hearts fans we did saw two thirds of them, well, more than two thirds of them, go for a third place finish again. So it was a seventy two point five three percent for third place. Just fourteen point two nine percent of fans thought Hearts would finish fourth. Um, we had almost nine percent went with second. 
a very optimistic uh, 2.2% went with first place and an even more optimistic 1.1% um, went for winning the title. Joel, both you and myself, uh, consistent as well. We went with third place for Hearts. And I think that we spoke about it at the start of the show a bit. I mean, fourth place is not a terrible finish for Hearts when you just boil it down to the league position, especially given we had group stage football to contend with. It's actually first time since 2007 we've managed consecutive top four finishes. And I think at the start of the season, I wouldn't have, not that I said I would have been pleased with it, but I probably would have taken it. Um, but I think it's going to be seen as more of a missed opportunity, especially because, and I think it's more looking at other teams, there wasn't really anyone who was that good this season, is there? In fact, you look at Aberdeen, 57 points. They actually finished fourth with 67 points four seasons ago. Um, and I think generally the team in third has got more than 60 points. It's been actually 10 years since someone's finished third with that low. I think that's what I feel. Is that, is that how you feel, Joel? It's just a, a missed opportunity almost because there wasn't actually anyone who was that good. Oh, yeah. it's it's. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a missed opportunity just in the context of everything you just said. But then it's an even greater missed opportunity considering how much of a uh, strong position, commanding position we were in going into the kind of last third of the season, maybe, maybe mm -hmm. longer, uh, that we were... It looked like... <laughs> I was very, very much bullish um, in that, and I thought we were, that's us going to cruise to cruise to third pot, uh, third spot. And the way it, it unraveled is um, has been has been disastrous, and has just completely changed the the complex of the, the entire season. Because when we come in, came into the first half of the season, we had group stage European football. The message was be in touch of third yeah. place. If we're in touching um, touching distance of third place, then we. I I was I was off the the view that we'd come back and we'd have a few players back from injury. We would hit the ground runner. We would yep. strengthen in January, and then we would be able to kind of canter away in third place because, like you said, the the other teams weren't that great. They were very inconsistent. Hibs uh, on their day, a decent side, but really really inconsistent. Aberdeen needed to sign a couple of defenders on the last few days of the transfer window to look like a, a competent team. They had attacking talent, but again, they were very, very soft-centred. We looked like we had the most complete team, both defensively and um, and in an, in an attacking sense. But the, yeah, the way it fell, uh, fell to bits was, well, it was very, very frustrating. And just something that you said about fourth on the grand scheme of things is not a bad place for hearts to be and if you look at history yes it's it's not a bad uh, place to be but uh, only you you're kind of start from the 2007 uh, I think it was the uh, since 2007 uh, was the last time we finished in the top 4 back to back i think that just shows how much of on um, the team has the club has underachieved for for, for decades yeah. mark i mean you it's been <laughs> The swing's been quite incredible twice in the season because, you know, going into that World Cup break, Hearts were four points behind Aberdeen. And we mm -hmm. we were we were okay with that at the time. We said, you know, we were, we were worried we'd be cut adrift if a, if a team really kind of shone in that first half of the season. But, you know, they didn't. Aberdeen got points on the board, but they weren't really impressing. You know, we'd unravel for them. But then from being four points behind Aberdeen, by the end of January, we were 10 points ahead of them. Yeah. And... 
to then be, you know, trying to claw back a gap towards the end of the campaign. You know, we, we got close, but it did feel like the damage was already done. Quite incredible that the season swung such a in such a big way, but not only just once, but twice to mm. then, or three times really, to, be, to go behind that far, to overtake them then, to, to fall behind. I think that's why it's so frustrating. Uh, and I mean, the points total, I know you've, it's, it's all relative to the season itself, but I mean, I was looking at some of the seasons before, Season 27-2018, Hibs finished 4th with 67 points. like 10 points more than Aberdeen got this season. 5th place actually had more points that season than Aberdeen got this season. And that's, you know, fair play. Aberdeen got more points than anyone else. They deserve to get 3rd. But it just shows how, I guess, poor everyone was relatively. Below, I was going to say below 2 teams, but you'd argue below 1 team. As far as the wage bills for the 12 teams in the Scottish Premiership are concerned, the, the league pretty much mirrored, the finishing positions pretty much mirrored how much teams paid their players. Celtic more than Rangers, Celtic won, Rangers were second, Hearts, Hibs and Aberdeen, all within about a million of each other, supposedly, and they finished Aberdeen, then Hearts, then Hibs, pretty close to each other, and and then the rest, um, supposedly Dundee United out of the rest, um, have spent more on on their players than everyone else, so that would be the, the one anomaly in that they probably didn't finish where they should have done, um, finishing bottom. That was that was a mess at Paradise. And when you hear some of the stories about the money that's getting paid and what's happening behind the scenes, maybe it isn't that much of a surprise that they are a bit of a basket case. But from our perspective, Hearts, and the one thing that I don't really think that's been answered, we finished with two wins in our last 12 games. We had one defeat in our 12 league games between the 30th of October, when we beat Ross County 2-1, and the 0-0 draw with Livingston at the end of January. So what's happened? You can't say, well, Craig Gordon got hurt. Well, Craig Gordon got hurt at Tannadice on Christmas Eve. After that, we beat St. Johnston, beat Hibbs, drew with St. Mirren, beat St. Mirren, beat Aberdeen, drew with Livingston. So, yeah, it wasn't great. And, yeah, we had a lot of key players out, Halkett and Beningame and Boyce and Gordon. We've spoken about the spine of the team. But it wasn't like, right, they've gone out, we've gone to shit. Is there one thing that the three of us, that anyone else, can put our fingers on? Why it went from picking up, as you quite rightly said, after the World Cup, and bearing in mind going into the World Cup, um, we've done all right. We beat Ross County at the end of October. We beat Motherwell, albeit that was uh, a kind of, whew, how did we get that victory? We got there in the end, that late one at the start of November. Went to Ibrox, got beat 1-0. Wasn't the worst performance I've ever seen there. Drew with Livingston. Um, and then the World Cup came. So we'd, we'd taken out of a possible 12 points, we'd taken seven. And that's all right. That's probably standard you would expect from, from a team in the top six. It's not it's not great, but there is a game against one of the old firm in there away from home. So then to come back from the World Cup and to to win what we got, one, two, three, five of the the eight and draw the other three in the league, that we're going along right nicely. So is, is there one thing that's happened? Is it since the 3-0 the, the defeat at Ibrox when even though we followed it up with a win over Dundee United. Sorry, the 3-0 um, defeat to Rangers at Tynecastle. <clears throat> um, is, there, is there one thing that we can put our fingers on that you look back on and you go, yeah, that was when it turned to shit? Because I, I, don't, I, I, I don't know. I would... It's... 
One thing, I would look at two things, but one okay, thing... what are they? Sorry? What are the two things, then? One of the things is uh, that that's, uh, it didn't necessarily... Uh, it wasn't the it wasn't like the the switch that turned things, but it certainly contributed across the whole season, and was the lack of replacement for Craig Halkett in the January transfer window. James Hill, he's turned, um, he, he's putting some really good performances. He's putting in some um, less than great performance, but overall, he's he's looked decent. However, the lack of signing of an aggressive centre back who dominates in there was a massive, massive miss because we saw in the first half of the season that without Halkett, we conceded far too many goals from crosses, far too many goals from set pieces. And this was in Europe as well against teams who you don't ex- you wouldn't expect us to be beaten in the air against. And I thought that was a massive oversight on the recruitment part that Halkett wasn't replaced and you didn't have that 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 person leading back because both civic and rules i look at them and hill as well because he's young that if they need to play with someone like halkett but more in terms of the the, the change in form i look to the st mirren draw uh in, in yep. paisley that's when that's the first game where a team thought, you know what, let's just press Robert Snodgrass. Stephen Robinson put Alex Gogic and told him to press uh, Snodgrass every time he got the ball and we looked really, really disjointed. Snodgrass scored, cross come shot, and we got a point, which is actually, on the grand scheme of things, a point uh, sitting there in uh, the way the season progressed was a, a decent point. And then from then on, you actually look, I know we, 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 we followed up with, uh, we beat St Mirren at home, and then we hammered Aberdeen 5-0. I think everyone that was at the, the game that night kind of came away was, how the hell did we win 5-0? We, we didn't play all that well. We're decent, but that's all we had to be to beat Aberdeen. And then even you go to Easter Road against Hibs in the Scottish Cup. A great day, uh, a great result. But even then, a lot of people came out and said it probably wasn't a 3-0 game. I think the 3-0 probably flattered us. And then you go from there, performance after performance just wasn't very good. We beat Dun United 3-1 at Tynecastle. Dun United were much the better team before Ryan Edwards got sent off. We weren't great against Hamilton in the Cup. We were abhorrent against Motherwell at Fir Park. Um, we beat St. Johnson at home. Everyone at uh, St. Johnson were, were pretty rubbish. And then from then on, that away to Celtic, tw- uh, sorry, Celtic twice, then away to Aberdeen, then away to Kelly, then home at St. Mirren. It's just, that's just ruined their season. The, we just didn't, Nielsen, I think, just couldn't find a way to um, alter the team that meant it wasn't so reliant on getting the ball to Robert Snodgrass and playing through him. He, he rather, than, he, rather than the inspiration he was for a large, uh, kind of the first part of the season, especially when we were playing well, he became, uh, he went from inspiration to uh, a hindrance. Yeah, no, I think I think it's spot on there. I, I don't spend too much more time on this particular part, but I mean, all I would say is I, I, I was bullish as well as like as Joe said, like many people were, and I think my I naively my, I was looking at it that you know we're not actually playing that well, and we're getting results and we're coasting, and that that's a sign of a good team, isn't it? And it means we that, did that last season, didn't and we? It means, and it means that nah, not to the same extent, I would say. Uh, and in my head, I was thinking. That means that things will click and then we'll keep getting results because if we're getting results, we're not playing well. Then when we start playing well, 
we'll, we'll definitely keep getting results. But actually, should have been more concerned about the fact that we weren't actually playing that well and our luck would run out. I think is where I think I think I think there was. were similarities with last season. I mean, we spoke about this, we, uh, and of, of course, there were a lot of times this season mm, where it wasn't good enough. But the five-two against Dundee United, no, that, the five-two against Dundee United last season—that was always kind of seen as one of the. I would say we weren't. We weren't like I think last season we, were more we weren't like brilliant to watch at times, but we were getting no, we, were we were getting results, getting results that we deserved to get. We were, That's there the were biggest games difference. Where, there were games where we were just we were just, we were getting off with the other team not taking chances. We were like the Aberdeen game. It seemed that every time we had a chance, we scored in that game. I actually thought we battered them more in the two one game than we did in the five 0 game. Yeah, that, that, um, that's fair. So I think last season, yeah, we were. It wasn't pretty, but I didn't think we were. I wasn't concerned. We were looking. We looked very solid last season. We, but we but weren't the other even, teams were the other teams were extra shit last season, and that really helped I, us. I would, I would, I wouldn't, I would, I would disagree that we looked really solid last season. I mean, I'm just well, we didn't look really solid last season, but we we had moment. We we played in, in a lot of games last season whereby we ended up getting three points or one point that we maybe didn't deserve or, or whatever. I'm not saying we got away with it, but we we didn't get away with it this season. We got found out more than we got found out last season. We, we last last season you, you look at I mean last season we did uh, this this is not like revision and we didn't uh, I'm not saying we didn't deserve to uh, to finish uh, to finish third we we absolutely did because we were we did, yeah. were m- much better than uh, the the rest of the teams but if you look at I think it was um, I'm just I'm just trying to find out the uh, here um, the the goals um, I think we were yeah so I think. Basically, the number of goals we did concede was a lot fewer than what we expected. Yeah, Craig Gordon, going, yeah, Craig going Gordon. by the stats to have uh, that we should have conceded, and yeah, that was we conceded. We gave up a lot of shots, and Craig Gordon had the had the season of his life. So I do think that while we finished third comfortably, I think if um, Craig Gordon helped us finish even more comfortably than we probably would in, in normal seasons, when we would have still finished third. 13 points ahead yep. of Dundee United Yeah, last season. Look, look at the rest of the top six. Dundee United, Motherwell and Ross County. Ross County survived by the skin of their teeth this season. Dundee United finished bottom. Motherwell were, were shit were last six. season. They, they were absolutely horrible last season and look where it got them. So the annoying thing is that Aberdeen's improvement has been good, granted, but they went through us. They lost to Darville. They lost six at Easter Road. They were utter shite during part of the season. And they just they managed to find form at the right time, but they didn't have to be great to finish third, and that's the annoying thing from a Hearts yeah, perspective. I think that's what we're saying—a a missed opportunity. Forest Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. There were other elements we looked at, not just the league, though. We talked about the League Cup, um, and again, um, some optimism here, but I'm going to have to give Joel some credit here because the the survey with the majority of fans was a, a 45% vote for a semi-final finish, um, a 20% vote for the runners-up, even 17% almost went for Hearts winning the Cup. Only 3.37% said we'd get put out in round two, which is exactly what Joel said. Hearts would get put out in the second round, which is, of course, the first round that Hearts would enter at. Uh, I went for quarterfinal, so it wasn't like I was overly optimistic. But um, you got this one spot on, Joel. We we were beaten at the first hurdle. 
And and look back at this one, it does disappoint me quite a bit because we lost at home to Kilmarnock, who are mm. the most terrible away team in the history of Scottish football. And they managed to win 1-0 at Tyncastle with about 5% possession, but never looked in any danger. And we we made a host of changes for this one, but it was in it was in between two league games. I know we'd had a busy schedule. And I think when I look back at this, I, I feel a bit more disappointed that we didn't at least put out our strongest team for this game in one of only two trophies that we can realistically win. Yeah, I, the, the reason for my uh, pessimism or realism, as it, as it turned out, was a mixture of the fact that Hearts in the League Cup simply don't go and the nature of the first half of the season with our European games. I just thought it was, it was probably a game that we would make changes and we might be caught out. And as 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 such, it was a very, very frustrating night because we were really poor. Just um I'm sure we were pretty direct to Lauren Shanglin played him through the middle as a number nine against Ash Taylor and um Kelly's other giants and they just swallowed swallowed everything up all night. So yeah, that was it's it's a real bugbear of of mine as I'm sure it is everyone's uh in uh, in the heart support of our lack of um, progress or League Cup. I'm I'm right in seeing not not being in the not being in the final of the League Cups since uh, Berlin. Yes. Um, that was one of very few League Cup finals they've been in over the last few decades. It's just really really frustrating for a club of our size not to have won the League Cup since uh, the 1960s. Is is embarrassing. Nori Davidson at Hamden. Um against Kilmarnock at the 62-63 season when the final was played towards Christmas. And, and yeah, the, the missed opportunities over the years. There's been sometimes, funnily enough, I'm, I was just actually looking at, um, at remember George Burley, uh, League Cup tie at Livingston in September 2005. Yeah. I, I Ramon Pereira reason, scored the winner for Livy. I think he's that did. Scored for them, is it? Yeah, uh, he did. Yeah, he did. I know we lost one. Minute. I forgot about that. I thought. I honestly thought. I mean, I know we were shit that night because we've not gone there just prior to that and thumped them, and there was a huge heart support. But again, it's how your mind can play tricks on you. For some reason, I thought that George had just chucked in the kids, and he hadn't. He named a strong side. I know Rudy was on the bench, but apart from that, it was a, it was a strong side. He chucked what the kids. It is. He, he, he chucked in the kids in the in the previous round against Queens Park. They still had two 0 and Jankowski yeah. scored in, in in that. But yeah, it's just it's weird. The teams that that we've we've lost to in the in the League Cup, it's it's really frustrating. Okay, there's there's been times did we not lose to to Alloa Recreation Park in a game? Was that when we were in the Championship? Yep, extra time. Jesus. Yeah, holy yep. shit! I'd totally forgotten about that. Bloody I'm not. Hell. I was oh, there, was so <laughs> yeah, I remember losing a group stage game up there. I don't know. Sure. So Jesus. another disappointment. And to be fair, at the time I remember accepting rotating a little bit more, but now I think back, I'm like, do we really have to? But anyway, moving on to the Scottish Cup and my ridiculous optimism uh, continuing even more because in the Scottish Cup, uh, I decided to go for a Hearts win in the Scottish Cup, which was not the f- not the favourite in the survey. Uh, the majority of fans went for a semi-final finish, so forty-six percent went semi-final. Almost twenty-six percent went for a Scottish Cup win, and thirteen point four eight percent went for the quarter-final, which would be the actual outcome. Uh, Joel was a little bit more optimistic with this one. He went for a semi-final finish, uh, quarter-final uh, defeat at home to Celtic, largely with these ones. Joel, uh, you are 
going with the draw. You know, if you can get lucky, you can get you can get all the way through it and win it without playing the one of the old farmer Celtic Rangers, however you want to call them these days. But you're likely to meet them at some point. We met them in the quarterfinal. We'd beaten Hibs and Aki's away. A really good, memorable win away to Hibs, the first game, the Scottish Cup. But ultimately, a bit of a, a flat way to go out to Celtic, wasn't it? Because the game was over within, within two minutes, it felt, didn't it? Yes, it was. I can't remember what I was uh, what I was doing. I wasn't at Tynecastle. I can't remember if I was working elsewhere. There was a reason. Oh no, I know exactly. I was traveling. I was traveling to Valencia that very day, and I didn't have any access to watch it. I was not feeling well on a bus, and my uh, partner had informed me within the first few minutes that we were one 0 behind, and that was that. That was my interest gone in our Scottish Cup campaign because I knew the against Celtic there was no coming back. As such, there it was, wasn't. It was when the draw was made that was that was the killer because uh, we just they did the women's draw at the same time. Yeah, through Celtic, and you thought, okay, surely can't draw him again. And it's just, it's so deflating when you saw the other teams and then when you see the semi-final and look, just because Celtic faced Rangers in the semi-final doesn't mean to say that it would have been Hearts against Rangers. It might have been, of course, if we'd if we'd done something else, but Celtic would have probably been in there as well. But the other teams that were in there as well. And I was thinking back, Laurie, when we did our podcast after the, the Hibs game, when we won in the Scottish Cup, was that not the podcast that we were going, what, so what does Robbie Nielsen need, apart from one or two things? I mean, there's not much that needs to be done, is there? And we were kind of, the, the hyperbole was probably too much. Um, we, we said, of course, he needs to better his record in Glasgow against Rangers or Celtic, but we were kind of swept away by a tide of euphoria, wrongly, as it turns out. And yeah. that, to go from there to where we were six to eight weeks later, what a fall from grace. Yes, and talking about... Uh tide of euphoria let's talk about european predictions uh because the to be fair mm-hmm. the fans the fans got this one spot on um 43 percent or so over that the majority uh, decided that hearts would get to the europa conference league groups and that would be as far as it would go which was of course the minimum hearts we're gonna, we're gonna get this season um Joel and I decided to be a bit more optimistic and we went with the, the second favourite in the survey, which was almost 30% of people said that Hearts would get to the Europa Conference League last 32, which is what <laughs> both Joel Sked and Laurie Dunsire put down as well. And I, I I think our logic was that Hearts would manage to creep into the group stages of the Europa League and then possibly get a third place finish. Or, Laurie. Um, or, or no, wait, no, last 32, sorry. That was, they would have been getting a second place finish in the conference, wouldn't it? And then you no, no, that would, it's, it's be finishing, finishing third. third. Third in the Europa League would have, t- would have taken you into the conference yes. league. So that's why we did that. And by the way, Joel was there and you watched it on TV. That That is Europe game. That is one of the missed opportunities of the season. They were not a good side. They might have gone on to pick up and did all right in the group stage in a couple of the games, but... They were there for the taking, and that first half display at Tyne Castle and, and how we didn't score on another day we would have been two or three up, and then the red card. That's that for me goes down as as the the tie rather than the first leg. Yeah, where even mm-hmm. after we scored the penalty, Joel, I just felt we we it was like right, well, fuck, what do we do now? Let's let's retreat. Then we had the injury to to Halkett, which didn't help as well. That for me was a missed opportunity because they were, and bearing in mind, we were the seeded side in that tie. 
against Zurich. They were not a good side at the time. They had no confidence. And bottom we the league, let them. They? Yep, they were bottom of the league. They hadn't won in the league. Um, they'd won, I think, their previous game in Europe, but hadn't looked good. That that was a big opportunity missed. And and who knows? If we'd if we'd gone for it a little bit more over there, then I think that would have helped. And I think it would have meant a more positive result in the tie. But I think that was one of Hart's biggest missed opportunities of the season against Zurich. Oh, massively. I think completely agree with that. It was looking back because it's, it's losing losing across there two one. You think right, you've got to go get uh, get to Tyne Castle. There is um, there's quality to beat them, but uh, the, the yeah, both games were frustrating for the very for very different reasons. We were absolutely. Tremendous against Zurich in the in the home leg. Liam Boyce missed a couple of chances yep. that you'd imagine he would have scored one. Cami Devlin played Ugly's best game in a heart shirt that evening. His passing was absolutely on point. He was eyes terrier like best. And when we were on top, we didn't score when we needed to. Obviously, George Grant's uh, red card. Really, uh, really knocked the stuff out. I found it really difficult to watch uh, to to remain in t- at Tyne Castle after after Grant had been sent off and they scored because you re- you you were standing there realizing that we missed a really really good opportunity to get into the Europa League group stages, which would have probably made us a wee bit more money. And then you go back to the the first leg and reflecting on that, we were probably too timid uh, over over the piece in in St Gallen. Yeah, I think we were. And the other thing to, to think about with that is Birka Kara under Robbie Nielsen as well. There was that element of maybe too much respect shown yeah. to the opposition. Oh, don't than bring, don't bring that up, donkey. Fucking no, but yeah. it's, it's, oh. it's true. It's, it's similar. Yeah, it's, oh, absolutely. Over there, okay. it was like, oh, nil is a good result. We'll take them at Tynecastle. Well, nil is not nonsense. a good result. When they should have won three or four over there and, and didn't. So, yeah, you can, it's easy to rewrite history when you're sat here and you're looking back. But there's a that was the biggest thing for me. And to be beaten by a team that had Donis Avdiai in the starting lineup for the first leg, a guy that only started four games for them in the league before getting punted back to Hartberg in Austria. I mean, come on, they were there for the taking. And, and, and they weren't and even playing in their home, home ground. I know, I know, I know, oh, I know. Great I mean, trip, though. No, I mean, yeah. Europa Conference League, in terms of performance-wise as well, obviously the two wins against the bottom seed, and we were fairly fortunate with the lowest seed. We did get tough uh, first and second seed. However, I think, although the results are not a huge indictment on on Nielsen or Hearts, you know, to lose twice to to Bishak Shahir and to Fiorentina, Fiorentina who may well win the competition, they're in the final, playing Wednesday at the time of recording, um, but the aggregate defeat of 15-2 in mm. the four games against the two other sides, that that in itself was pretty disappointing, wasn't it? The manner of the way that we rolled over in those games, I think. It, was, it wasn't great. Yeah, it was again, that was that was another frustrating. I wouldn't say wouldn't say that was a missed opportunity because on reflection, on hindsight, Estambas uh, here and Fiorentina, two very good sides with a lot, of quality, yeah. a lot of quality, a lot of pace, a lot of power, a lot of uh, technical uh, attributes. But it was the the, the manner and our home defeats. If, uh, that was a, a real frustration that we we didn't lay a glove on either of them. Because yeah. remember going to um, remember going to the like going to the games and you're just like 
this is a massive, massive, uh, even especially the Fiorentina one, uh, going to the pub early. This is a, a massive occasion at Tynecastle so under the lights. We should be we should be making it very difficult for even the best sides in the Conference League. Yet we we didn't. We just like I said we kind of just rolled over. And again, it was it was it was very very timid. Did we not face Istanbul at home? Was that not our first game? Yep. In the group stage, that I mean, that you probably wouldn't have picked a, a much better game than that. They were the top seeds. Fiorentina were the second seeds. And was, was Istanbul one? Was that the, was that the night that the, the yes was, the Queen yep. died? Yeah, that, that was yep. that yep. was a very surreal, surreal evening. It was a very it was that early kickoff as well, which felt odd because everyone was yeah. kind of like nipping straight from work and it was still bright and it just it was a very odd atmosphere even at the start of the game. I thought that night, yeah. If we'd been able to produce the same display, first half display that we showed against Zurich, just let them let them see that they're in a game. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think. There was the, maybe it was that game. the The atmosphere I thought against Zurich at home was it sounded absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I never got was, the feeling. Yeah. I never got the feeling that that Istanbul game. Maybe I mean, just the whole thing about it as well. Maybe it had to do with everything you've just said as well, but. It just, it just seemed, and to, to lose 4-0 at home and you're, you're playing catch up and then you pretty much know that it's a case of it's two games to get some money, not to get progression. And it's going to be a long, because you've still got to go to Istanbul. You've got to go to Florence. Um, that, that was the one, another one that I kind of thought if we could start and play like we did against Zurich at home, then at least they know, but it was too easy. We were far too timid in that game. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. We've been talking about our pre-season predictions and what the fans voted for as well when we were looking ahead to this campaign before it started. Now, we'll move on to player predictions. Now, the next one is one where everyone was spot on, because this is the top scorer for Hearts this season prediction, and... 94.5% of people voted for Lawrence Shankland, and both Joel and myself voted for Lawrence Shankland as well. And I'm pretty sure Mark would have voted for Lawrence Shankland if he was on that yes. episode as well. At 28 goals across all competitions. That's 28 and 47 appearances. He got four assists. Um, the highest total in a season for Hearts since John Robertson in 88, and the second highest in a season for Hearts behind that uh, since 1974. And uh, I think Shankland delivered what everyone hoped he would in terms of goals, he certainly exceeded that. But for me, Joel, and I think you've probably seen more of him as a player than I had in terms of your journalist duties. Uh, my media duties are obviously entirely focused on Hearts. So when Lawrence Shanklin was playing in the top flight, I didn't watch an awful lot of him because Hearts weren't there. But I have to say one thing that did surprise me was his all-round game and just how effective he was playing in the number 10 role or holding the ball up, bringing other players into the game. So I think... Although I did predict he'd be top scorer, which wasn't exactly that much of a Mystic Meg moment, um, I have to say he's certainly surpassed my expectations. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm delighted that Hearts fans have, uh, I think, very quickly recognised just how much of a all-round striker it is, more than just a, a, a goal scorer. And then people viewed him as a goal scorer. And then there was others who thought, oh, he didn't have a great goal scoring record. And 
I done United in the last time he was in the Premiership, but as as ever, context need, needed to be applied, and you've seen a striker who is very very intelligent. His touch is uh, is incredible. I don't know how many times a season of kind of uh, Udenad to 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 make standing next to me because of his the way he's taking a ball in, used his body. Linked play, he's he can play. He's he's he's, he's essentially been our best number ten and best number nine throughout the throughout the mm. entire uh, throughout the entire season. And you look at Shankland; he's reached a point now where you think, no, I just don't think any team from England is going to come in from just because he lacks that wee bit of pace. Just if if he did have that bit of pace, I think he'd be playing at a much higher level than at Hearts. I. I don't foresee him going back to European football. So I do think that there is an opportunity for uh, Shanklin to become a Hearts great. And you look at the strikers we've had down the years and you would have to put Shanklin right at the, uh, since John Robertson, you know, almost almost at the top, you're looking, comparing them to, um, or putting them in the same the same bracket as Alexei Jankowskis and and Fuller. I just think he's he, he's that good. He's obviously a different, much different player to to Fuller, but I do think he's that good. Uh, a a focal point, a striker for us, and he's taken on the captaincy so so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's more. I think he's worth more to Hearts on the pitch than he is financially. I, I yes. think. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you only get a, a a decent amount if you get an auction. You get two or three teams in from if it was one team I don't know what his value is but you're spot on about it. he doesn't have the pace that would be required to play at the high level um down down south but he, he's he's got a number of attributes I don't think um I mean what's what's he worth financially are we looking around the five million mark is that far too much because he's worth more to hearts than any financial figures put about you take him out that team and I don't know if we would have been top six. He's this season's Craig Gordon. Well said. Uh, the next yeah. three, the next three sections are not um, not purely decided statistically. Top scorer, obviously, is without doubt. Um, but these ones are a little bit more subjective. So let's we'll try and work at what we think it should have been at now, uh, but we'll also first look back at what we predicted. So player of the year. Um, <laughs> Now, I think uh, everyone uh, has pretty much cursed us with this one. So, Player of the Year, 34.44% people voted Stephen Kingsley would be Player of the Year for Hearts. Uh, second was Barry Mackay. Third was Craig Gordon. Fourth was Craig Halkett. Fifth was George Grant. Um, only 3.3% of people said that Lauren Shanklin would be Player of the Year. And Joel Sked and myself both said Stephen Kingsley as well would be Hearts Player of the Year. So, it's probably not in any doubt that Lawrence Shankland is Player of the Year. I think. Would you both agree with that in terms of now? Oh yeah, oh. we had it. We had with the argument last season, didn't we? Yeah. And I think you were trying to say that Craig Gordon at one stage wasn't the Player of the Year. I mean, Craig Gordon was hands down the Player of the Year, and it was obvious. And it's just as obvious this year. I think Stephen Kingsley. I think I can. I, I understand our logic at the time with Stephen Kingsley. He was terrific last season, and we kind of thought he would kick on it would be even more important but uh, and I thought he was didn't think he was looking awful or terribly bad this season but after that concussion at Tanadice he just never seemed to get mm-hmm. back to his rhythm did he? He just never fully recovered and we know he's been missing for 
you know, non-football reasons recently. So, you know, he's obviously not played the last few games. But when he came back from the injury, just he's never looked quite right, has he? Did we have one decent free kick opportunity this season for him to take? He's certainly yes, taken it very decently. There was there was one there was one relatively recently. I, I think in uh, one of his one of his last games he played, uh, it was in a good position, but it uh, it went it went over the bar from 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 what I can remember. But yeah, that's um, it's, it's that all the names you just laid out uh, read out there, Laurie, in terms of the the poll and who would be our player of the, the the season. It just feeds back into. The frustration uh, we felt you've yeah. been we've been missing uh, missing so many key players. Key players have been off the boil. They've, I was going to say um, yeah, Craig Halkett's been out, Craig Gordon's been out, Barry Mackay's been out. Wait, has he been out? No, he's been no. there. Just haven't seen. <laughs> no, he has been. He's he's very much been um been. Uh, I was going to say front and center, but uh, probably not wide and <laughs> uh, at the back. Uh, probably being the more, more more accurate. It was interesting because I was in just on on Barry McKay, I was in a press con- conference with him. Um, this was oh, Nielsen was still in charge. It was towards the end of Nielsen's uh, time at uh, at the club, and but it was around the time that Barry McKay there was a lot of criticism around his performances, and he did the press, and he's not one that's usually. Um, He's, he's, he's not someone who is not a player. I don't think that enjoys doing the press. He's he's uh, he likes to keep himself to himself, uh, which is which is absolutely fine. And then he came in, and everyone was surprised because he he spoke really openly. He felt that he was playing his his performances were the same standard as last season. He was still putting the ball in the right areas as as last season, and found it interesting that. He spoke so openly, and then Nielsen sat down right after him. And was like, eh, "That's the most I've heard Barry McKay speak um, <laughs> uh, ever." And it, it did. It did seem like he had a point to make that the criticism had had stung him. Yeah. But even after the thing is, that even after that, it just just never really clicked from. And it's it, it, it's obviously not helped that Liam Boyce, I think, who was who was really who was really key to getting the best out of Barry McKay. Has, has has been absent. So there's context around that. Obviously, context around Kingsley. Just um, if people, I, I I used to be like this, but then you you start speaking to to folk within football, and you get get a better understanding of uh, how 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 things work. And I think there's just this assumption that when someone's been out injured or um or they get back in the team, that they just immediately click your fingers and everything's back to normal. Sometimes it happens like, better. Yeah, sometimes that happens. Kevin Nisbet, for example, at Hibs, mm-hmm. he missed he missed so much, and they came back, and he just didn't stop scoring. Um, but more often than not, it's much more difficult to find that that rhythm uh, again, and obviously off field issues as well, which is um, uh, which have not, which play their part as well, and can make it very difficult for players. Here's a question for you both: the top three of Hearts. League appearances this season. No surprise that Lawrence Shankland and Barry Mackay are the top two. But who's third? Uh, Cochrane. Wrong. I would never have got this in a million years. Yeah. 
Forrest. The only reason I said Forrest is he's not been injured, and I bet loads, of, and he's come off the bench nineteen times off the bench, so many sixteen times. starts. So he's he's been involved in thirty five league games. Mackay and Shanklin were thirty seven. Cochrane was thirty four. Interesting. I mean, again, I mean, a, a squad player um, will probably have to do better going forward than than Alan Forrest. But, I, but you could have given me probably five guesses, and I don't know if I would have got Alan Forrest as the, the, the kind of number three out of the top three of, of the number of games played for Hearts players this season. Well, it takes us on to best signing. Now, this one, I I think a few months back, I would have been feeling pretty good about myself with this little premonition here. This was before we'd obviously played any competitive games. So uh, no surprise, 40% of people went for Shankland. And I think, I, I don't really need to ask you both, it's obviously the best signing. Um, however... And incidentally, George Grant was second on 34.44%. We won't speak about that too much. So, Joel went with Shanklin. Fair play. Well done, Joel. Got that one right. I went with Kai Rolls at the time. Um, and, you know, I feel like five, six months ago, I would have been thinking, oh, I was looked looked ahead pretty well with that one, Laurie. But not quite got that same feeling now, Joel. What, what What's happened to Kai Rolls? Because we were raving about him early on in the season, but he's he's just looked off the boil, just, I guess, like hearts in general. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine it's it's a, a mixture of the team's performances and and him as well. He was, because you, going back to the start of the season, I watched, I watched a fair bit of him and a fair bit of these clips from the A-League and looked at a bit of stats and everything pointed to a great defender. However, there was an issue with his aerial ability, which as we've come to see that that's an area of his game that he does need to improve within Scottish football because heading the ball is an important quality for a defender in in Scottish <laughs> football. But in terms of his in, in terms of other defensive qualities, he is he, he's absolutely brilliant. I think he um he defends a cross ball very well. He gets himself into really good positions um in terms of cutting out low crosses, cut back. His recovery, his recovery is excellent as well. His recovery is... His recovery is himself out quite a bit. Oh, he's, he's, his recovery is brilliant. His uh, one-on-one defending on the ground uh, when he's faced up by a defender or a, a, a winger is very, very good. And we saw it at the World Cup. There was one, I think it was a tackle on Mbappe when Australia played France. It looked like Mbappe had got away from and his ability to turn on the swivel and get back and put a foot in was just incredible. And he was impressed so much at the World Cup, and I don't know if there was an aspect of coming back from such a high to come back to this, uh, from uh, such a high to coming back to the Scottish Premiership, um, might have played its part, and that's almost uh, almost understandable. But to be fair to him, he spoke to I think he spoke to Barry uh, earlier on uh, earlier on this year, and he was pretty he was pretty honest about uh, he gave a pretty honest appraisal of his performances. He said he said that there's the work needs to be done. He needs to get better at the, the physical side of the game and goes back to something I've said before. I do I do think he has missed a halkit beside oh. him because you look I think Civic is Civic and Rolls, they've got similar qualities. Neither are the dominant aggressive defender. And that's I, I do think that is uh, that's played its part. You've taken the words out of my mouth because Craig Halkett is Linus Van Pelt's blue security blanket for Charlie Brown. Without <laughs> that security blanket, poor Linus, he just isn't the same player. 
But when he's got it, he feels comfortable. Everything's second nature. He just does what he's good at. So Kai rolls without Craig Halka alongside him is like Linus from Charlie Brown and Snoopy without the security blanket. <laughs> and I, I honestly, I don't think we're having this conversation right now. I think we'd be third if Craig Halkett uh, hadn't got hurt. And I know he got hurt over in um, in St. Gallen and then got hurt at Tannadice again. He's He's been the biggest miss. And not only from a Hearts perspective, I also think from a Kai Rolls perspective as well, because Kai Rolls was flying. He performed very well at the World Cup. And then he re- reconnected. Um, Craig Halkett was still available before he got hurt on uh, on Christmas Eve. But it's not just playing alongside someone you're comfortable with. It's it's getting. I mean, Andy Webster played alongside Stephen Presley, and his improvement was was much quicker playing alongside someone like that. And I think with Halkett, if he'd stayed fit, and that's unfortunate from a Hearts perspective, I think he would have seen a much better Kai Rolls as well. So I can't wait to see Craig Halkett back in action in a Hearts jersey because not only does he make the team better, but I think he makes those around him better as well. The last section is going to be an interesting one because I think this is the only one that could be up for a little bit of debate here. So this is the who would be the most improved Hearts player this season. Now, uh, in terms of the votes from the fans, our survey, the majority went with 45% um, going for Nathaniel Atkinson. Um, so he was by far the, the favourite to be most improved. Alex Cochran, just over 12%. Uh, Finley Pollock, almost 11%. And Toby Sibick, if we round up the kind of four main picks, got almost 10% as well. Now, Joel went with the what the majority decided on, which was Nathaniel Atkinson. Now, I'm going to stick with who I voted for. I went with Toby Civic. Now, how do you feel, Joel, about who's been the most improved player this season at this point? Neither I think I think Civic is certainly up there. I think it's it's probably between... Uh, oh, uh, actually, it's, I was going to say... Josh Ginelli. Yeah, 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 sorry. I was going to say, oh, probably uh, between between Civic and, uh, and Cochrane, but then you forget Josh Ginelli, yeah, by, by, by far by far the, the most improved player and uh, the, the the change in the change of position has just been absolutely crucial to him. I've got to admit that I was very, very sus- uh, suspicious whether this was a, a long term thing and it wasn't just a, a a purple patch for Ginelli, but the more the more I've watched him and the more uh, the more you realise how much he brings to the the hearts the hearts team. I can't remember what um which Scottish Premiership uh, defender said this? I think it was. I think it was in a press conference, or um, certainly uh, at some point in the season. And the player picked out Janelli because he just said an absolute nightmare to defend against because he runs and runs and runs, and he's not like uh, you get certain forwards who make one run and that's them one and done. Uh, Stephen Humphreys for one, I think falls into that category, but Janelli will make a make a run. He'll get back on site and he'll make another one and another one and another one. And even if he doesn't get the ball, he just he stretches opposition, he moves them around and it allows Shanklin to do what Shanklin does. It gives more space to other players. And he's seen it when Janelli has not been in the team. I think we struggled. And against Aberdeen, when he went off, Aberdeen kind of just went, you know what, we can push 20, 30 yards higher up the pitch because Hearts don't have anyone with pace to run in behind. So Ginelli is not 
only only gives us pace in the final third, uh, good movement in the final third. He's actually started to score goals as well, getting into really good areas. He spoke about it early season that he's watched a lot of Kyogo to kind of see where he needs to be. And yeah, the the transformation has been absolutely massive. And from a few, even just a few weeks ago, I'd be be real would have been reticent to give him a three year deal. But you look at it, what he has given. The Hearts team has given us it's quite hard to replicate and replace that. So yeah. I'm leaning more towards yeah, let's 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 maybe push yeah, it out a wee bit further for like, him. I feel like I've kind of overlooked that. So I think you're actually right. I'm kind of I'm looking at the main ones, I'm almost forgetting. So only interestingly, so while you're talking, we we had about hundred people did these surveys. So only one person, we've got a one percent voted for Josh Janelli, and I've just dug out the data. So Andrew Neal. Well done. Um, well done, Andrew Neil. So um, you said that Josh Ginelli would be the most improved Hearts player this season. There's your, uh, there's your assistant the next time you have to manage. <laughs> <laughs> there's my I assistant. I think by quite, quite some distance as well. The only oh, other yeah. player I'd really have there is Toby Sibic. After the, the Riga game at home, when I mean he turned into Beckenbar near the end. Um, I, I mean, Cochrane was, was very steady. Um, the Aberdeen away, that was just weird what happened to him and he was ostracised after that. I was glad that he came back into it. But I don't think any others... I mean, the, the, the Civic one improved over a period of time. I think but, if, but if Civic had kept it going, I think he had another I, dip towards the end of the season. I, I, I think if, he, totally. if he kept it going, I think there would have still been an argument. I know he's not had it. Sometimes people overlook maybe the defensive side, but I thought he was... And I still really rate Toby Civic. I think he just had a bit of a dip towards... The, the end of the season, but if he'd carried that on, if it would not really been that dip, I think it would have still been an argument. But no, I think I think Joel's right, and I don't I'm almost just forgetting about Josh Janelli there, which I shouldn't of because course, he's been fantastic. There was an element of Abraham Tal about the the kind of Jesus, who's this? Remember when he didn't even he was he was at Tyne Castle for months without even getting a sniff, and then he turned in some unbelievable performances, Ibrahim Tal, um, and and Civic Civic was the boo boy. Civic was the guy, and, and his place has pretty much been taken by Keel. Um, but he was the one that the fans are, oh, Jesus. He's... But then to, to see his, his reaction um, following that game at home against, uh, against RFS. But you're right. He, again, there was, a, there was a dip towards the end. But he's, he's another one who would improve by playing alongside someone like, uh, like Craig Halkett. So I'm, I'm more optimistic when we get everyone back for next season. This season's just been over the piece. It's been a bit of a shit show, specifically with injuries, but also to be where we were and not close out, that's unacceptable. Right. Before we go, uh, before we go for this episode and for this season, I'm gonna ha- I'm 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 gonna bring up again my my terrible, terrible certainly certainly set up in a terrible way the homework from last week. <laughs> Because people have at least replied to me, so I've got to at least look through what they've said. Um, so if if you hadn't if you hadn't listened yet, Joel, basically um, I was trying to set up a homework question was to give us sort of a dialogue, a speech that would be the end credits for a heart season, as if it was a if it was a movie. And I maybe shouldn't have tried to use a specific example, which was uh, anyway. I'm not going to go into it, but that was basically what it was. So 
I had some replies. Some people just messing around a little bit here. Um, Tungster says, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get next. And in many ways, some of our on-field performances week to week. Um, Tim Sanders, interesting analogy here. It was like a prostitute's panties. Friday night, too many ups and downs. Next season, let's make her like Tuesday night, more ups than downs. Jesus, that's this random. Is not, this is not the way that, this is not this, what the question was meant to be like. Um, Rab D said, McKinley's revenge for the sequel. Don't always agree with Donkey, but um, it could be the Bairns muddling your brain to me. Yep, quite possibly, Rab, quite possibly. Uh, then he just had a, a, a screenshot of some words from uh, from the gambler, which was, you never count your money when you're sitting at the table. <laughs> Time enough for counting when the dealing's done, which I think is a reference to both Andrew McKinley and Hearts fans in general, I suppose, in terms of our um, premature confidence in the season. Uh, Stuart Ritchie's just quoted a couple of films. This is going in some interesting directions. The first one being A Few Good Men. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. And you can't handle the truth. What is the truth when it comes to hearts? That we're just not very good. Jesus, that might take more of an explanation than your homework from last week did. Um, okay. Here, but look, I've got some that kind of fit the bill for actually wanting a sort of dialogue for the end. People have given me one, so let's let's see what we've got here. And if if you want to pick one, then I can actually make it into something at the end. Okay. And then we'll be done with this and I'll never talk of it again. And next season we'll pretend like it never happened, okay? Okay. Yes. Um Ian Buckle says A season that came with excitement and gorgy fever. European adventures, we were back in the big time, lots of things buzzing around our club, and then we awakened from the gorgy dream, the reality hits. We were promised so much, but delivered so little. A brief upturn wasn't enough. So that's Ian Buckle's closing speech. Uh, Alistair Dobby says, okay. Alistair Dobby's went down the Braveheart route. So this is um, this is Mel Gibson on his horse. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to, have to play some bagpipes or something in the background of this. Dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all those days from this one to that one for one chance, just one chance to avoid that game at United on Christmas Eve? To say you may take our points, but you'll never take our Craigs. <laughs> yeah, like that. I mean, that, that, I'm yeah. scared. The next time we play at Tanadis, I'm playing the under 16. I know. Just, just forfeit. Three Thank God they've three gone down. Yeah. Thank God they've gone down. Sheesh. Um, Grant Haddon, uh, let's see, his one was a, a European adventure that saw a few humbling results and held the team a, a low league position. The ship was steadied without playing great. However, the points lead was blown and cost a job or two. A promising end to the season that has optimism growing for the next under Naismith. Promising end to the season. Well, that's what you want to look at. It. I mean, it's better than what it was. Yeah, it was certainly um, better than, than what it was. Uh, Flitch says, I quite like this one. Here we go then. Dropped in a bit of what you started with. It was the best of seasons, very occasionally. It was the worst of times, too often. In truth, it was the most mediocre of seasons. Group stage nirvana for the fans. Achievable again in the season to come, perhaps. League Cup glory in the distance, only in my dreams so far. It wasn't the the most mediocre of seasons. I get get the whole point. It's probably just in for the narrative, but... Um, this is the thing. There's a ge- there's a generation of Hearts fans now 
younger generation that that have have grown up on not an element of success, but they've seen a few cup wins, which we certainly hadn't seen at that age. Uh, and they, they they've seen the Hearts do so well with selling season tickets, um, and they they're probably not old enough um, to remember the the seasons nineteen ninety four nineteen ninety five, which was an an absolute um, shit show uh, under Tommy McLean. Um, and there, there were seasons before that you're getting less than ten thousand for midweek games, and it was just it was ho hum, it was humdrum, it was just. It was a means to an end. I mean, I, I like the fact now that we are unhappy that we finished fourth. I like that. That that shows us that that the expectation level has increased, and we're not settling for 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 just kind of average performances. And and we're right to do that as well. From where we were in season twenty nineteen twenty, I think when you look at it from a bigger picture, to go up as champions of the championship to finish third that was really good to finish fourth wasn't as good because we didn't we didn't do what we had done so next season's a big one next season's a big one but i like the expectation level now much higher than it used to be because it means we're doing something right do you like the big lebowski kenny hunter went down a big lebowski route here okay what's he got um so i i, I can't try and impersonate sam elliott but you know he does plays the Cowboy, mm-hmm. is um he so he he goes with the Jambo abides. Don't know about you, but I take comfort in those words. It's good knowing he's out there. The Jambo, taking it easy for all us sinners. Shush! I sure hope they make the group stages. That's kind of closing scene, isn't it, from Big Lebowski? Yeah, bowling alley. Isn't it weird how when you, at the start of the season, if someone said, "Right, you're going to have a blip in form. When's that blip going to come?" Most people would probably say. When we're playing Thursday and Sunday and Thursday and Sunday, but it wasn't. The blip came later on in, in, in the season. And I don't think it was as a result of all the group stages and the efforts put in. Um, and I'm, I'm glad, I don't know if we ever we got to the bottom of, of why it went to shit um, in the conversation we've had in this podcast. But I think the comments that you've both made are, are, are very pertinent. And we have to learn from that for, for next season, whoever our manager is. Joel, you looking forward to next season? Yeah, why not? Why not? New season. Let's, let's see what um, let's let's see what it brings us. But no, I have, uh, have you ever done motivational speaking, Joel? <laughs> no, I don't <laughs> think I'll ever, ever, I ever will. Um, uh, we need, I think we need. I think we all need a, a wee bit of a break from uh, from Hearts and this to, podcast <laughs> to, to, <laughs> to recharge, to rest, uh, and then and then come back. But it'll be it's, it's going to be a fascinating fascinating summer because. Of our management situation, uh, how Hibs and Aberdeen will sign. I can imagine Aberdeen will spend uh, a a decent bit of money with with Ross McCrory potentially leaving. With add-ons they're getting elsewhere in the, the, their transfer business previously done, and the the fact that they they have a lot of money in general and they will have the European money. So. I think we we'll need to be we we'll need to be we we'll need to be very smart with our with with, with our budget this summer to um to 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 make sure I was going to say to make sure that we we stick with them but as as we've seen that it can it can change very very quickly we are and mm-hmm. we're an example of that and it'll be the the European game uh, games coming up as well that's still really exciting to have it's likely that we're going to get a tough draw but going into next season. 
it will be uh, it's great that we've had sold so many season tickets. Ten Castle can be full again and Going into next season, it's not quite as clear cut as the past two campaigns because of the change to the Champions League and how that will have a knock on effect in terms yeah. of teams who qualify and seedings and coefficients. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's intriguing. The excitement will come, but um, I'll, I'll leave a couple of weeks. Yes, we all need a bit of a break, I think. Um, but thank you to everyone for tuning in again to Scarves Around the Funnel this season. You can still get in touch if you wish uh, by emailing podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk or tweeting us at Around the Funnel. A big thanks to Joel for joining us again and to everyone else who's joined us throughout this season. But of course, the main thanks to you, our listeners, for continuing to tune in. If you've made it this far and you've managed to put up with my um, film dialogue closing narrative end credits nonsense, I apologise for that. I'll, I'll, I'll blame the Baby brain. That's what's. That's what we're going with, isn't it? That's I can. I'll. I'll, I'll give. Uh, I'll give everyone a, a a movie, a bit of movie dialogue for the coming weeks and months. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> here, here. Um. Until next season. Thanks for tuning in. Wait. I'm not finished yet, and because I have ultimate control and i do all the editing of this podcast i'm gonna have the last say so mark and joel don't know i've added this bit in at the end because after recording our podcast i noticed a direct message from luke who has just given me a chance to try and push this final idea for this season one last time before we go for our summer break so yes i'm gonna have the last say and, well, ultimately, Luke is having the last say because he's given me a lovely contribution to this end credit idea. And he's actually kept with the example I picked, which was from the Transformers movie. So, well done, Luke. Um, so, I'm going to use this. I'm going to stick it in here. And no one can do anything about it because, well, I'm the one who does the editing. So, um, without further ado, thank you to Luke. Thank you to everyone who's got in touch with the podcast over the season and the years and if you are still listening at this point apologies for my rambling let me off with this one surely um so anyway see you next season and to play out we're gonna have our end credits our movie end credits for the season with a little speech as uh, provided by luke uh, vocals by me of course so <clears throat> let me just uh, get ready <clears throat> and uh, without further ado here we go Bye-bye. With third place gone, we cannot return guaranteed European group stage football. And fate has yielded its reward, a new player to call captain. We live amongst him now, cheering his every goal and watching in angst, excitement, nervousness, admiration, jubilation. I have witnessed his capacity for goals, and though we are worlds apart, like us, he knows what makes us special. I am Joe Savage, and I send this message to any third place challengers preparing for a battle. We are here. We are waiting. <laughs> <laughs>